0: Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of February 11, 2024. If you have low vision due to diabetes, glaucoma, macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, or other reasons, and you sometimes feel as if you are the only person out there with a vision problem that the rest of the world just doesn't understand, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision is here to help. KCCLV will present a special event called Focus on Your Future with Low Vision on the fourth Saturday of each month from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. The first focus program is on February 24 and will include sharing our low vision journeys, product demos from the American Printing House for the Blind, helpful gadgets for the kitchen, using our iPhones and Android phones with little or no vision, and other topics as time permits. A light lunch will be served. Register for the February 24 focus on your future with low vision, by calling the Kentucky Council of the Blind Office at 502-895-4598 by Wednesday, February 21, so that we can prepare for the correct number of participants. Register now for training. The 2024 American Council of the Blind, D.C. Leadership Conference will be held on Saturday, March 2, through Tuesday, March 5. Virtual events include the ACB board meeting on March 2, broadcast on ACB Media, leadership training on March 3, and the discussion of legislative imperatives on March 4 on Zoom and ACB Media. The 2024 legislative imperatives are Websites and Software Applications Accessibility Act Communications, Video, and Technology Accessibility Act Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act, and Medicare and Medicaid Dental, Vision, and Hearing Benefits Act. KCB invites all of our members to participate in this leadership and advocacy training. All sessions will be available on Zoom, and you can join the call and participate in the conversation from any computer, cell phone, or landline phone sessions will also be broadcast on acb media listen on any alexa device victor stream on the acb media website or through the acb link app on your iphone virtual registration for this event is $25 kcb will pay this fee for any kcb member who wants to participate to sign up just call our office at 502 Eight nine five four five nine eight by Friday, February 23. If you are not already a KCB member, you can pay your dues at that time. Just $8 for 2024 or $40 for a life membership. The February 16 roundabout for the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind is hybrid. It will include bingo. We'll have dinner at 5 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries, And we'll play bingo from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. both in person and on Zoom. If you're there in person, be sure to make your return ride between 8.45 and 9.00 p.m. For more information and to let us know that you will be coming to dinner, call us at 502-895-4598. The KCB Zoom number is 669-9889-6972. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind invites you to its Wednesday afternoon social hour, 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern, on its Zoom line. Their number is 669-900-6833, and the code is 763-689-4411. Tri-State Library users' meeting will be on Saturday, February 17, on the KCB Zoom line. This will be a business meeting. For the month of February, TOU is reading Guiding Emily by Barbara Henske. We'll be discussing that book as part of the GLCB page turners at Roundabout on February 23. Also at Roundabout, you'll be invited to come share other books you have read and to remember that page turners will be followed by an hour of tech talk Roundabout is 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. on the KCB Zoom line on February 23. On February 18, ACB Families invites you to learn more about autism at our February program. The time is 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Central, and 6 p.m. Pacific. It will be on the KCB Zoom line. The code is 862 the February 9 GLCB roundabout focused on several special interest affiliates in ACB. We are highlighting ACB Diabetics and the Braille Revival League here on Soundprints this week. Larry Gassman from California is probably best known for his work with ACB Media. He is the new president of ACB Diabetics, and he talks about the work of that affiliate on page 2. 2024 dues for ACB diabetics are $10 per person. Denise Colley, ACB secretary, is from Richmond, Texas, and she is president of the Braille Revival League. Hear about the good work of BRL and all the things that they are doing on page 3. Their dues are also $10. For a long time, there has been a bug in the ACB Media Alexa skill that has not allowed you to switch directly from one ACB media channel to another. We are pleased to report that this bug has now been resolved. Now, if you wish to play a particular media channel and ACB media has 10 of them, you can simply say, Alexa, ask ACB media to play channel 1 or ask ACB media to play channel 5. If you want to go directly from one channel to another, just repeat your statement, and you will find that you're at the new channel. Page two.
1: So we thought that tonight might be a good time to talk about the many different ways that you can belong to ACB, and we don't have enough time to do that, to do all of that. So we're going to just kind of spotlight some affiliates. AC, um, KCB has four special interest affiliates among our chapters that are not only affiliated with ACB, but also are chapters of some of the special interest groups uh, in ACB. Those are the guide dog users of Kentucky the um, Tri-State Library Users, that's a chapter of Library Users of America. The um, KCB Next Generation, that is part of ACB Next Generation. KCCLV, Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, that's a chapter of um, the Council of Citizens with Low Vision, CCLVI. And then there are a number of affiliates in ACB that we don't have chapters. In them, but sometimes they may or may not have a chapter structure, but but we have a lot of ACB people who belong to them, and some of those are um, ACB families. Um, we have a lot of people in ACB diabetics, and we have quite a few in the Braille Revival League, and some others as well. Um, but those in particular come to mind because. Um sometimes we might forward some of their information or uh we may have someone who's particularly involved in something they're doing. So basically tonight we'll be spending a some time highlighting our special interest chapters, but also I've asked um Larry Gasman, who's the new president of ACB diabetics, and Denise Colley who is the president of the Braille Revival League, to also join us and tell us about those two ACB affiliates. Now, the way the membership structure works in our chapters is that if you belong to one of the chapters in KCB, you must, first of all, be a member of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. If you're a life member, then you don't pay those KCB dues every year but you still pay dues to the special interest affiliate. If you're not joining one of those chapters, then, of course, you still, uh, if you want to join, let's say, ACB Diabetics, you would pay dues directly to ACB Diabetics. Some people say, oh, all that gets confusing. Well, yeah, it kind of does, but it keeps life kind of busy during membership time, and uh, we want you to know about all the different ways that you can be involved in ACB. Let's start with ACB diabetics. Larry here, and so he can just be first up. You all may or may not know um, Larry very well. Larry, you see things that Larry does every day because Larry is, um, he works for ACB and he um, basically keeps, uh, things running smoothly uh, on ACB Media, so he's an important guy in ACB, but also being president of ACB Diabetics, that's a a really important hats to wear too because there is so much diabetic so much diabetes among blind people, and so that's a very significant affiliate. So, Larry, I will be quiet and let you talk about ACB Diabetics.
2: Thank you, Carla. It's funny because we, were, we did uh, visibilities last week with Terry, and I remember saying that vi- uh, diabetes amongst blind people, but even in, in general terms is maybe the best kept secret in town because there are so many people who either, A, don't know they're diabetic or they've found out they're diabetic maybe recently, and, and, and a lot of them are saying, what, what do I do? How do I figure this out? And if they're a blind person having diabetes, it's also another issue because, you know, uh, society people can do a lot of things that we can't with regard to vision and and looking up labels and things like that. So there are things that we have to do sometimes to get around some of those problems. Um, And then when you add in different types of diabetes, there's type one, which is insulin based because it means the pancreas generally isn't going to produce enough insulin, so you have to take shots and you know of insulin uh, in order to help that out a little bit. I'm not going to get too far in the weeds because number one, I've got 10 minutes, and number 10 or 15 minutes, whatever it is, and number two, this is going to be kind of general, and it's it's basically aimed at people who either have just begun, begun diabet- to be diabetics or or maybe they're on the verge you know i i'm not sure if that's how can you either be diabetic or not but some people will call it you know that and they'll say well i'm almost diabetic well it's like almost a lot of other things either you are you aren't and (laughs) and so when i found out that i was diabetic i was glad that i just found out, and who knows how long it was before I was actually diabetic. I actually found out in 2002 when my wife, who is now passed on, but my wife Melinda was a type 1 diabetic, so she took um, shots with insulin in order to help her sugars to keep them to stay down. I found out on our honeymoon. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> and <laughs> so we we did a test and we checked, and, and my blood sugars were higher than they should have been. I didn't know anything about that at the time, but she said, "Yeah, they're they're high. We need to get you in to see the doctor when we get back from the honeymoon," and and we did. And I sure enough, I was diagnosed. So I I thought, well, this will this will be okay because she can help me, and she did. But she was a type one, meaning that she had no insulin in her body, and so you know. She had to take shots. I did have some insulin because I was a type 2. So the pancreas was still producing insulin. And so I took pills. Uh, I was able to do that and regulate my sugar and keep them to the the, the point where they needed to be. And um, as you, the funny thing about diabetes is it changes as you grow older. And some things that affect me may not affect somebody else, even my twin brother, whom you think – would have the same issues I do. Uh, no, not necessarily, because I was diagnosed in 2002, and he was diagnosed, I don't know, 2018 maybe, 2019, so a long time later. And things that affect my body with regard to sugars that rise don't affect him, and vice versa, so you, never, you just don't know. Anyway, so I learned, and I, the way I learned about my body was, um, I would use a, a glucometer and prick my fingers, put blood on the end of the uh, uh, poker or whatever you call it. I forgot what you call it now. And and I would check. I would check several times a day. And i how is this food affecting my diabetes? And it tore my fingers up. It really did. And I read Braille a lot. And it's very difficult to read when your fingers hurt because you're sticking needles in them. And... Probably 15 years later, they came out with the continuous glucose monitors where you you put a sensor on your arm uh, and it's adhesively taped to your arm and you can use your phone, which now has an app, uh, and it will read your blood sugars to you. You don't have to stick your fingers anymore. And it was great when my insurance paid for it. My insurance (laughs) was Marriott because I worked for Marriott for 21 years doing all kinds of software stuff and testing. And then I retired. Around the middle of the the pandemic, and all of a sudden, that went away, and insurance wouldn't pay for it, and I said, you can turn me down as many times as you want to because I'll never quit, and three years later, finally, they, they loosened up a lot of things, Medicare and Medicare Advantage, and last April, they began to ease up some of their regs, and finally, after like three years, I'm finally getting a continuous glucose monitor. Yay. But it wasn't easy. Yeah, it was not easy. And, and I'm, I'm still waiting for it. The insurance is, is going to pay for it. John, of course, John worked for Disney. John had one for, I don't know, a couple of years while he was working for Disney. He retired. And he retired after that April date of last year. So he was without one for maybe a month or two but he's already got one back now because the insurance is paying for part of it, not all of it, but part of it. So life for a diabetic, although it isn't necessarily always easy, uh, from that standpoint, it's a lot better now because you don't have to poke your fingers. And what the continuous glucose monitor does is it really allows you to test as many times as you want to throughout the day. Say for instance, you've eaten cereal for breakfast and your blood sugar rises then that immediately sends a little message says message to larry maybe you shouldn't be eating that cereal maybe <laughs> you should find another cereal that has fewer carbs um and so we, i go through the shelves and i'll talk with ira and they'll look for me or i'll have the person who's helping me shop who is cited. i'll say how many grams does this have so it's an ongoing process to figure out what works for you and your body and then buy those things and write them down because I have great memory, but it's same-day service, which means I'm going to forget later on. I just will. And so I write everything down, and I'll say, okay, I need to go back and buy such and such because it works better for me. So it's an interesting juggling act as a diabetic, but it's working. And, And then the cool thing was after I got to do all of that, learn all of that, and kind of had a pretty good idea as to what my body was doing. Things changed, and I got used to that, you know, because they do change as you grow older. Uh, and then I, I was a member of the student division of ACB in the 90s, but I got busy working. I got married. Uh, she passed away in 2012. And then I got busy because I had to get busy, and I wanted to get busy, and I never stopped. I was busy seven days a week, and even evenings. And then I got involved again with ACB after I don't know how many years, in 2018, and got busy on the local front, became part of the uh, CCB board. I'm president of my chapter, and I work for ABC. I do tons of stuff for ACB Media. I'm busy all the time. And one of the things I did was, was I joined ACBDA. And I and got on the list, serve and I, I collected diabetic-related material articles, everything, for the longest time, just because it would help me know what the heck I was doing if I wanted to look up what does such-and-such such do or how can it be beneficial to a diabetic. A diabetic I, I had it in files, and I went back and looked at it. And now the list serves that we have is awesome. You've got some people who have been diabetic either for a long time or they, in a couple of cases, are educators, in a couple of cases... Uh, we have some dietitians on the list, too. And it's great because almost anything I ask and I do, they have an answer for. We have a marvelous support system for diabetics. And after all, that's part of why I'm here is to tell some of you about that. For those of you who, who may either, A, be diabetic, or B, may not know, you know, but you think you might be, you know, go to the doctor, check. They'll <coughs> run what's called an A1C test to see, what your blood sugars are, what the range is, and they'll tell you. And it doesn't have to be a scary situation. It can be a bit daunting when you first start, but when you begin to know what your body is doing, how it's doing what it's doing, and what to do to fix that, you can live a pretty normal lifestyle. And I learned that, and I talked to people on our list and gathered articles together and recipes. There are tons of recipes. And I learned that You don't necessarily have to have diabetic recipes all the time. You just have to have good dietary recipes. You still have to look out for carbs, obviously. But anybody who is maybe not a diabetic but wants to eat healthy can use some of these recipes, and they still work, which is really cool. I learned so much from this website and the people on it, and then I got busy being involved uh, as the secretary for for ACBDA for, I don't know, a couple years, and then... The first vice president opened up, that position opened up, and I ran for it and got it. And and I got it because we talked about the fact that if, if I'm going to do anything in this affiliate or any others, there's a transition period, which means if you run for one of the officer positions, sooner or later you're they're expecting that perhaps, if all goes well, you'll be president. Well, I didn't expect that for a while because Tom's been president, Tom Tobin, for quite a while. Tom was here a few months ago. Uh, But for a number of reasons, some of them personal, he said, I've got to stop. So I hit the ground running on the 24th of January, uh, because even though he kept me in on the loop, there was a lot of stuff that I had to learn. Leadership, I knew, because I've been involved. I've chaired, I don't know how many radio conventions for old-time radio things, organizations for 30 years. I've done... Tons of that stuff. So I've got a pretty good handle on leadership, although it is different in A C B. And anybody who has been involved as a leader in A B C will tell you that. Lots more moving balls and lots more things happening than in most other affiliates and organizations outside of A C B. So had a lot to learn, but I have learned, luckily in A C B D A, and it's pretty and it's a lot the same way in many other affiliates. That people are there to help you because we are one big family. We are all people who have diabetes for the most part. There are some on the list who don't, but most do. And we're there to help each other because if, if, if I help one, then they can help somebody else. The diabetic list and the people in this organization are wonderful. And we got a chance years ago to start chats where if your diabetes is something that is, is something that you worry about and you need to know about something, maybe maybe diets and snacks and what to eat for breakfast, what's good for dinner, any of those, lots of things. We have chats a couple times a month where you can get together and ask those questions. We have monthly meetings where we bring in somebody from the industry, whatever that might be. Maybe it's somebody who's a dietitian, Maybe it's somebody from a company that has a CGM like the Freestyle Libre or Dexcom or whatever it might be. And we get them to talk to our people so they can impart information. We're we're all about information and helping people. We have a website uh, that is very accessible. Jeff uh, Bishop and Randy Knapp run that website and do a terrific job. We have newsletters that come out as well with articles about diabetes because information is the key like in anything else. And the more that we can impart, the more we can help people with diabetes, and then they want to get active, and our little diabetic core grows. Maybe we were 20 people a year ago, and maybe next year we'll be 30 or 40. We have grown. Uh, I think we were like maybe four, 30 or 40 when Tom took over. Last year we have got up to 117. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what it will be like this year. I'm not sure. Um, and, and if you've watched BITS and their organization – they went from 179 to I think 625 this year. So it certainly can be done. And we want to do it. Maybe, I don't know if we're going to do those numbers, but we want to be able to help people and be a resource for people. Uh, and maybe they'll want to get involved. Maybe not. Some won't. Some will. But if the, the people who will, we'll, we'll keep and, and put them on committees. But we have 12 <laughs> different uh, uh, committees of various things, and, and all, almost all of them are active. And so we have a lot of room for people, and, uh, and we have a great time. We, we enjoy being together. I've talked almost 10 minutes. I didn't look to see when I started. But I'll give you a little bit of information and make it as easy for you as I can. Like, I won't give you necessarily the, the, the subscription information because it, it goes on for a block, and I'm not going to remember it all. So either I try and remember it or I make it up, and either way, you guys are going to lose. So I won't do that, but I will give you a couple of address- addresses that are pretty simple. The email address to actually send to say, I want to join. You could do it that way. You could go on our website and join that way. I'll give you those both both those things, and we can open up for questions. And if you have questions, I can give you answers. And if I don't know the answers, I'll make them up. How's that? <laughs> so. Perfect. Okay, so if you if you want to look at the website, it's very easy. It's www. And you don't even have to do that anymore. You could go to to the search engine and just write uh, acbda. dot org. That's all it is. And there are there's membership on the page. There's if you want to join. There's something on the page. There's our email list serve on the page. If you need to know more about. ACBDA, we can send you materials as well. That address is almost the same as the website, almost, not quite, but it's acbdaorg at gmail.com. Everybody remembers at gmail.com, so you just tack on acbdaorg and you got the rest at, a, at gmail.com, and uh, and we will have somebody send you out information as well, so. And if anybody, if anybody needs help, we can certainly help. I can help any of us in, in the leadership aspect. We can tell you what we do, how we do it. And we're always seeking information from our members, you know, things that you want to see. And, uh, and we're going to do some new things because I'm president. I want to do a few things that I know have worked in the past and we'll see how it goes. Uh, we're taking it slow. But but we've got a good little number of core people with us, and that's what it's all about because we are a family. We're here to help each other. And, and that's what any good, solid affiliate should do, as you guys know, because that's what you do. So I've talked enough, and I will be quiet. And if there are questions, I'll take those.
3: Bill Wright. Go.
2: Uh-huh. Hi, Bill. Go ahead.
3: Um, I am a, I'm a member. I just talked by dues and they are trying to talk me into some more things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 the support group do an outstanding job. Uh, they do, you know, the support group, the Saturday chats, uh, all that provide great information. And uh, um, the Libra, they support you know, the the labor and everything is really helping me uh, get Good. more control. And my numbers were actually
2: down yesterday. I am down <laughs> to 7.6. You're and almost 12. there. Yeah, that's great. They want you around 7 if you can't. Well, what they've done recently is... For people who are diabetic and older, and they did this with with my wife too. She wasn't older, but she was a brittle diabetic, meaning her sugars could go all over the place. The older you get, I'll be, I'm 69 now, so when you get into your 70s, they're a little more lenient with regard to your A1C because they don't want you to bottom out or drop out or anything like that with regard to you know, problems with diabetes. So they're going to give you a little more lenient. And when you get to your 80s, They'll do the same thing. And they've started doing that more with more regularity over the last several years. So they're learning. Doctors are learning, too. I can't necessarily give out my, my email address, but I can give out my ACB address. So if anybody has comments or questions and if they want to write, I can do that, too. It's L. Gassman, and Gasman is G-A-S-S-M-A-N. So L. Gassman at ACB.org. Larry, how much are the dues? A whopping $10 a year. <laughs> all right. So it's the best game in town, I mean, because most of the chapters and affiliates, their dues are going to be higher. It's $10 a year, uh, and we also have live memberships as well for people who want to do that as well. So we'd okay. be happy to have anybody who wants to know more about diabetes or is diabetes. If we can help, that's what we're all about.
1: Okay. Thank you for coming, Larry. We
2: really appreciate it. Good job. Thank you, Carla.
0: If you have any questions, you can give us a call at 502-895-4598. Page three. Next, we have Denise Colley.
1: Denise is, um, some of you who go to the board meetings and listen to the board meetings and uh, the ACB General Sessions, you know that Denise is secretary of the American Council of the Blind. She is in her third term as secretary. I can't imagine doing minutes for those that long, Denise, for um, the board, because the board can be pretty windy sometimes. Uh, but <clears throat> but her hat that she's wearing tonight is president of the Bra- Braille Revival League. KCB does not have a BRL chapter. But we do have a lot of people interested in Braille and um, I'm sure quite a few who are members of BRL. So, Denise, I will turn the time over to you and tell us about BRL and how people can get involved in BRL.
3: Okay. Thank you, Carla. Well, of course, as all of you know, the Braille Revival League is a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. And Um, We welcome anybody into our organization, blind or sighted, who believes in and is willing to work for the uh, furtherance of Braille as the, not as a, but as the primary medium of literacy for people who are blind or for whom Braille is a a viable method um, for reading and writing, you know, to be... um, We, of course, are a membership organization, and our purpose really is um, to promote the teaching of Braille, the production, um, and uh, broader acceptance and use of Braille um, as a primary tool of literacy. And one of the things that we are very adamant about telling people is that if you are somebody who has very, very low vision or no vision, if you don't know Braille, you are essentially illiterate. Now, you might come back to me and say, well, wait a minute. You know, we have computers now. We have speech access. We we have audio books. We have all these things. And, yes, we do. But the reality is if all of your learning is done using speech in one capacity or another, how do you learn to spell? How do you learn to know how punctuation, where and how punctuation is supposed to be? Um, these are very vital things that you need to know, especially if you are somebody who is going to college, if you are wanting to go out and get a job. Um, these are important things to know. Um, our membership is made up of Braille users, teachers who teach Braille, Braille transcribers, Braille producers, and other individuals who are proponents of Braille and who are supporters of Braille. We believe that Braille instruction should be available in all schools and other educational facilities to students who are blind or who have functional, are functionally blind. And that the mastering of Braille really should become a a requisite, a requirement, and an an integral part of the curriculum for the training um, and teaching of prospective teachers um, who are going to be teaching students who are blind or visually impaired. If the teachers don't know it, then there's an issue. Um, We have um, several ways that you can become involved. We do have board meetings. Uh, Our board consists of um, five officers, our immediate past president, and four board members. <clears throat> the board meets six times a year. We meet on the second Monday of the month um, in odd-numbered months, well, like January, March, May, July—well, we don't meet in July because of the convention—September uh, and November. And um, our, bra- our board meetings are at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And any member of BRL is definitely invited to come on to the board meeting and um, listen to um, what we talk about. We also have on the third Wednesday of even months, which is February, April, June, August, and October, and December at uh, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, our uh we host our membership focused call which we call the Braille Buzz. And generally each one of those calls is specific to a topic. Um some of the topics that we've talked about on the Braille Buzz are toys and games for blind children. Uh we had um, M- Matthew Horsepool from the Brailleus Foundation in the United Kingdom on our call one time talking to us about what's going on in terms of Braille in the United Kingdom. Uh, We did one on blindness and Braille graphics. We've done one. uh, Brian McDonald from the National Braille Press came on one time to talk to us about NBP. Uh, We had Orbit Research come and talk to us about the new stuff that's coming out, um, the Braille devices that are coming out from Orbit Research and, and the Tremendous improvements they've made since the Orbit Reader first came out. Uh, We have had Tamara Rory from the National Library Service come out and talk to us. This was when um, the the Braille e-readers were first getting ready to come out, and we had her come and talk about the e-readers. And Judy Dixon did a a wrap-up on the uh, uh, CSUN conference um, last year. And so we always post the information about that. Uh, we have um, four um, various four lists that people can be on. We have our just our braille list, um braille at um which is just a two way um, people talking to each other about all things braille. We have a braille membership list, which is also um, is a one-way list where we send info- we can send information out to anyone and everyone, and it seems like anyone and everyone who's ever had any connection with us is is subscribed to that list, and and um, you can go in and subscribe or unsubscribe. Um, we have our Braille members list, which is also a one-way list because it's just our way of getting information out to our members, and then we have our AC- our Braille uh, board list, which is a two-way list for our board members. Um, we also have a website, it's League, all together, one word, .org, and if you go up there, you can find out about, um, our Braille Buzz calls, we put all the recordings of those calls up there, so you can go out there and check out those podcasts. Um, we have our, um, newsletter we put out a newsletter three times a year called the braille memorandum um it's uh we are very proud of our newsletter um we believe it's a you know really great um newsletter and we are you know we are very proud of it and um we hope that anybody who is a member is receiving the memorandum and if you're not you definitely need to let us know um our mission statement. I want to talk a little bit um, our mission statement is to preserve, promote and value braille as an as an essential mode of communication for people who are blind or who have low vision. And our vision statement is to return braille to a place of prominence for people who are blind by encouraging the production, teaching and use of braille as the primary medium of braille. of of literacy for all blind people. And um, we really try to work not only with children, but with seniors who um, have lost their vision later in life, who think, oh, I could never learn Braille, and besides, why would I want to? Well, there's all kinds of uses, daily uses for Braille, where you don't have to be a Braille expert. You can learn, you know, the basics of Braille and be able to label things in your kitchen be able to label your appliances, uh, maybe just jot down, um, you know, short messages, jot down a really short uh, grocery list, whatever, and you don't need the advanced braille skills to be able to do that. And yet, those are the kinds of things that can make you, you know, extremely independent. Um, at our national convention, we do have a program. The Braille Revival League does put on a program every year um, it's usually one afternoon, and we have two or three sessions. We do our business also. Uh, we have a Braille VRL breakfast um, where we invite whoever the international guest is for the year um, at convention to come and speak to us about Braille in um, their country and, you know, what's going on in terms of Braille. Uh, we have um, six affiliates. Uh, around the country, and as Carlos said, unfortunately, Kentucky isn't one, well, yes, but that doesn't mean you can't be very soon if you so choose. Those, um, all do statewide, um, conferences as a part of their conventions and do programs related to, um, uh, the, you know, Braille in those communities. Um, some of our other activities, we have a birthday card, uh, program where we match four four interested people together, and they send Braille birthday cards to each other. And it's a way of acknowledging people's birthdays, but it's also a way of people getting to practice their Braille skills. So we do that. Um, we've gotten involved with the Braille Challenge. Um, and if anybody who doesn't know what the Braille Challenge is, it's, a mo- it's one of the most exciting programs I think I've ever seen Um, It's four school-age kids from um, first grade all the way through high school, um, and they compete in five... They come together and they compete in five different categories, um, and uh, awards are given for um, uh, the top people in each one of those five categories in various age brackets. And so we are now providing little um, congratulatory certificates to all of the winners um, who win the main the, the National Braille Challenge. Uh, we don't do it for the states because we know, we're not even real sure at this point how many states are participating, but I know a few are, and um, we hope to branch out, but we have started with the national winners, and so that's kind of exciting because we get to, you know, we get to see who those winners are, and we get to acknowledge them and tell them, great job, congratulations. But we also get to, you know, uh, get, give them a little information about what, what the Braille Revival League is and what it does. Several years ago, oh, I think it was probably 10, 11 years ago, um, the National Library Service did a Braille conference, bringing people together to, uh, to talk about Braille and where Braille was at that point and what was happening with Braille. And one of the things that we talked about that, about then was, um, you know, somewhere down the road, we could be in a position where we knew at that point technology had made it possible to do a lot of things. And so we were kind of dreaming back then. We said, you know, that in the near future, we believe that we might be in a position to put a Braille reader or Braille display into the hands of anyone who can benefit from its use in the United States. And we have seen that come to fruition. And now the National Library Service is able to put Braille e-readers in the hands of anybody who's a library patron who wants one and is going to be able to use it. You know, we didn't think we'd get there this quickly, but we did, and it is extremely exciting. And, of course, um, there are two e-readers out. There's the HumanWare Reader, and there's the ZoomX. I don't know which one Kentucky has, or if you guys have gotten yours yet. Um, But this is really cool because um, now you have a way to be able to get the e-reader, download books, download as many books as you want, you don't have to wait for the library to send them to you, although they still can. Um, but it's it, and it's, it, it's totally inexpensive to you because as a library patron, you get the e-reader for free, and you still get to read in Braille. It's amazing to me the number of people who say, um, you know, I, I still want to be able to remind... I know I can get Audible books. I know that, but I want to keep... I want to read my books in braille. I want to read my newsletter in braille. I want to read my my e for my braille forum in braille. You know, I want to be able to do that, and that's what we are really working hard to uh, make possible. So um, this has been really exciting for us. Um, our dues are ten dollars a year, and um, our our membership course runs on a calendar year. Um, we, you can pay in several different ways if you decide you want to join. You can go out on our website and use PayPal to pay to join, and we have a membership form that you can use to join. You can call our treasurer, Jer- Jane Corona, and she will um, take all of your information down, and you can um, then... Uh, you can then um, pay your dues, or you can send her an email at treasurer at League dot org, and that then and then she will connect with you if you want to pay your dues and get all your your uh, correct information from you that we need, or you can send a check if you so wish. So there are several different ways that you can pay. Um, if you're going to do PayPal, you would send it to Treasurer at org. when you go into PayPal. You also can use a pay-by-credit card, and you would call Jane to give her your credit card number, and that's how you can pay your dues. Um, we have, um, as I said, our our yearly dues are $10. Um, our our uh, life member dues are $200. So if you're so inclined and you want to become a life member of BRL, you can do that at at uh, $200 a year. When I was talking about things we do, um, I don't know how many of you had a chance to participate, but this year on January 4th, which was um, the birthday of Louis Braille, the Braille Revival League took a huge step and we decided we were going to do it big if we were going to do it at all. And we put on a seven-hour community event called Braille Matters, and we invited, uh, whole co- the whole topic was Braille Matters, and we were talking about uh, does it matter, why does it matter, how does it matter, and we invited people from um, the Braille Authority of North America, National Library Service, National Braille Press, Clover Knick Printing House for the Blind, um... Oh gosh, uh, the Braille Challenge, um, Horizons for the Blind, um, we had our six affiliates come and share what they're doing. We invited all of the community call, um, facilitators who facilitate community calls related to Braille to come and talk about their calls. We ended the event with, um, our last hour was the, that the ACB, uh, or the Braille Revival League of New York, does a uh, Lewis Braille celebration each year, and they actually were the ones that started this whole thing, and so we um, we, we connected with their event, and that was the last event of the of the um, evening. So that is a nutshell of well, who we
1: are and what we do, and I'll certainly take any questions. Braille doing some really good things right now. Uh, Adam and I just got our copy of the memorandum, and it was very nice, very. Nice.
3: Oh. We also have a Facebook page. I forgot to tell you that we do have a Facebook page, so okay. you can always go on our page. put Braille Revival, go in and Facebook, put Braille Revival League, and you can get on our Facebook page.
2: It's Adam, and uh, I didn't have so much of a, a question, but uh, I did want to uh, comment, and Denise um, might comment a little bit more. That uh, one thing that BRL does is have their games with Ralph, uh, and the booklets booklets they do, and those types of things. So could you talk about that a little bit? Those are fun.
3: Yeah. um, Ralph Smitherman has this uncanny way of, he developed these, they're like, they're kind of like puzzle books in a way. It's like um, he gives you a clue, and then he gives you this, Word that's all scrambled and you have to figure out what the word is or what the phrase is that goes along with what the clue is. And each book has nine puzzles and the answers in the back, but you can't cheat. Look at the answers first. And, um, he has just completed book number five. So we now have five for- games with Ralph books. Games with Ralph. I couldn't do the word games. <laughs> games with Ralph books. Um, and You know, I think I can't even tell you at this point exactly how you can get a bundle for um, I think you can get like three books for $30 or $35 or the books are $5 a piece. And I know his last one is $5 because um, uh, it just came out just a while ago. And um, you can actually um, purchase those online. We also have um, refrigerator magnets that have our logo on them and our contact information, and you can purchase those for $5 a piece, and you can also purchase those online. But the books are really, really fun, except they're really hard. He used to... Sure. We <laughs> we used to, at, as one of our events um, um, at convention, we would have a Games with Ralph where we, we would, you know, all get together and play the game, and I could never... I could never figure them out. I don't know where... I don't know where he gets his words, but <laughs> they're, they're really tricky and they're really fun because they really
1: tax you. They keep your brain working. Denise, i got to tell you, um, the first May, first and second year um, that ACB did continuing education activities, we gave continuing education for um, convention credits, and they still do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was in charge of that for um, a couple of years before COVID, and uh, people would send us feedback forms on the things that they thought were the most helpful for their classrooms if they were teachers, and Games with Ralph was always at the top. Oh, I'm going to tell him that. Oh, wow. Oh, Oh, that's People love Games with Ralph, and one year after that, it was one of the uh, virtual years, I think, somebody made a comment about, well, we need to upgrade these. Continuous education classes and make them more serious, so they're more professional. And I thought, well, obviously that's what the teachers wanted, and then because they they would say we can use these things in our classrooms.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, you know, it all depends on the viewpoint. But, yeah, the books are fun too because
3: they they were all oh, they're all theme right. oriented, so they're all um, around a different theme. I think the right. last one was like baseball or something, because it was right about the time of, that the
1: world, of the World Series or something was going on. <laughs> I think it was. Oh, that, that would really be hard for me. I, I know me too. <laughs> too. <laughs> so, okay, anyway, I just I'm, 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 Sure, yeah. Eric. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah. Uh, ma'am, um, I just wanted to say that uh, I was listening to your presentation, and I um, I appreciate you stressing the importance of Braille. Um, like I said, again, I'm a new blind, and I'm still in the process of learning a lot of different things. So just give me time and work it out and, you know, but I appreciate you right now tonight trying to stress the importance of it, you know.
3: Don't, yeah, do not stop. I'll tell you a story. Um, I was a rehabilitation teacher at one time, and I had a client who was 85 years old, and I was teaching her Braille, and she was, I had gotten her through read one, grade one, and she was reading grade two Braille. So I tell you, if she could do it, anybody can do it, as long as you've got the, you know, feeling in your fingers, to, you know, to be able to,
1: to you know, dis- decipher the dots. Well, Denise, thanks for coming. We appreciate it very much. And maybe someday we will have that BRL chapter here. Oh, yeah. Okay.
3: Well, yes. Just... Keep us, keep us in the loop if you need our
0: help. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org.